You are now listening to the Cruise Control Podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Hey, and welcome to a new edition of Two Out of Three Falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. I'm joined now by Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. He's also the host of the WrestleRant radio show. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Happy uh, Thanksgiving to you and the family, man. You as well, coming off a crazy Survivor Series week. And now we got Thanksgiving to look forward to. It's a pretty stacked week, to say the least. Definitely, man, definitely. Uh, Survivor Series recap, um, seven matches, no, I think eight matches total, uh, one on the kickoff show, which is um, Enzo and Kalisto. Uh, Raw won the battle between Raw and SmackDown, four matches to three. So real quick, um, wanted to get your thoughts on the pay-per-view. Any surprises that uh, came about from Sunday? Not really. Um, I thought it was a solid show. Definitely better than last year. I mean, we were here on the show last week giving our preview and predictions for each match. Mm-hmm. I think I got pretty much everyone right except for Miz and Corbin, which, like I said, could go either way. Told anyway, you. I thought Miz would take it, but ended up going to Corbin, uh, thankfully. But, uh, no, it wasn't a bad show. Not a bad match in the show. If anything, there were a lot of very good matches. I thought Usos and Sheamus and Cesaro was great. Uh, the opener, Shield the New Day, was awesome, as expected. Mm-hmm. Lesnar and Styles was the match of the night for me. I thought it was a, an amazing outing. Uh, one of the best of the year, in my opinion. And like I said last week, one of Brock Lesnar's best matches in a long-ass time. So, overall, definitely a good show. Um, I'm not sure if it successfully recaptured the magic of old Survivor Series shows from 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, but it was definitely one of the more memorable installments in recent years, I will say that much. Now... I could have sworn I told you that Baron Corbin was going to beat the Miz, right? I believe you won with Corbin. Yep. Yeah, so I, I was I was right on. I, I told you, Grant. I told you Baron Corbin was going to win that match. <laughs> Should not have doubted you. So overall, Raw won four to three. Um, recap: Brock beat uh, AJ Styles. Um, Team Raw for the men's five on five match uh, won with um, Braun Strowman and Triple H. Being the sole survivors, we'll get back to that in a in a second. The Shield beat the New Day, and Oscar was the remaining survivor for Team Raw over SmackDown. SmackDown got the victory with Charlotte over uh, Alexa Bliss. The Usos beat the Bar, and as we mentioned, Baron Corbin beat the Miz. Um, I did want to ask you about the 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 men's five on five elimination match where. I think me and you kind of uh, debated on who was going to be, if, if Raw was to win, who would be the main survivors, and if SmackDown won, who would be the the main survivors. So ultimately, Triple H, you know, a, a very young guy out there, um, was <laughs> one of the remaining survivors with uh, Braun Strowman. But in the match, were you surprised that, you know, Nakamura and Bobby Roode were eliminated first prior to the old regime of Randy Orton, John Cena, and Shane McMahon was the final person left for Team SmackDown out of all people. I can't say I was surprised. I was a bit underwhelmed, though, um, that we keep on going back to the same core group of people, John Cena, Randy Orton, Gene McMahon, Triple H. It's like, 
they will they, they never cease to devi- deviate from those core four people uh, when it matters most on the big pay-per-views like this, whereas a guy like a Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, or a Nakamura, or a Bobby Roode would have benefited from lasting longer. All the young guys, with the exception of Braun Strowman, were eliminated, were the first four eliminated from their respective teams. Uh, Bobby Roode, after and Nakamura was the first one gone, right. then Roode, mm. then Joe, then Balor, and mm-hmm. then it was, you know, everyone else from there. But it didn't really, I mean, like, it's not like Balor pinned John Cena. It was, it was Kurt Angle. Like, that was cool for the moment, considering their history, but... It's like this match really didn't serve the purpose. It didn't really serve to benefit anyone involved, with the exception of that young, hungry, up-and-comer Triple H. Yeah. Braun Strowman, too, I mean, which is cool. I mean, I'm, I was glad to see Braun was one of the final men standing. But it's like, you know, I know had someone had to go. They, these guys are all former, future, uh, former and future world champions. Mm. But it's like, I, I don't think it was... It was not as good of a match as I thought it would. It was a good, it was, it was a good match, don't get me wrong, but... The ending outcome of Triple H facing like betraying Angle and or Triple H and Braun even like yeah like that doesn't really interest me at all. At the end of the day, it's all about the McMahon. That's what this message. That was the message this match sent to me was that at the end of the day, it's all about the authority, which has been the focal point of programming for WWE for almost four years now, mm-hmm. if not longer. Um, so that's that was my biggest takeaway from this main event. Now, what were your what were your thoughts on Survivor Series as a whole, as a pay per view prior to that match? Did you feel like it, it it had a good vibe, or once the main event came about, and and I guess how the main event ended, you kind of felt like, yeah, Survivor Series was was going great, but with that main event and how it ended, it kind of like you know degraded it, you know, just a bit. Um, again, I, th- I thought it was all right. It wasn't great. I would say it was a good show. Definitely better than last year and certainly the year before that, which were disasters. Um, But no, I thought it was a middle-of-the-road show. Like I said, I really, really enjoyed Brock and AJ. Mm. And I thought the opener was excellent with Shield and New Day. Right. As well as uh, the Usos versus Sheamus. The other matches, um, I think the only two other matches were Charlotte and Alexa wasn't bad. It was just kind of there for me. Corbin and Miz was easily the worst match of the night, but even that wasn't terrible. So like I said, there was not a bad match in the card. I won't be talking about or even thinking about that match a week from now. Um, either the first women's match, or that was another match I forgot. The, the women's elimination tag team match was probably the worst match of the night. I did not think that was all that good. I was glad Oscar got showcased and was the first one, uh, or was rather the only one surviving for Team Raw. But there was a lot of moments there that weren't too great with like Alicia Fox and Naomi. Uh, some not-so-good interactions in the middle there, and that was not that good of a match. So it's not like it was a great show and then it ended on a sour note with that main event. Mm. Um, I, I thought overall it was it was a good show. Um, the main event, again, like I said, was not bad. Slightly underwhelming, but not terrible by any means. And the early goings were cool, like Bobby Roode and Triple H facing off for the first time ever. I thought that was a really cool moment. Samoa Joe and Randy Orton and Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura, which people went nuts for. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't... A complete total loss of a main event, but yeah, overall, up until the main event, I thought it was a solid show. So now, you know, we have Triple H, Pedigree, and Kurt Angle, which is with you know they were on the same team, um, and I think me and you did point that out last week. Where could it be a thing where if they were trying to go to a Kurt Angle Triple H match at WrestleMania, they they might not have to get along at Survivor Series to kind of build that up, but he does that. He 
puts Shane on Kurt Angle to get the to get the the pin, and then Pedigree's uh, Shane McMahon and that team Raw wins. But now Braun Strowman uh, did not like the whole ordeal. So now Triple H with Kurt Angle, Triple H with Shane McMahon, Triple H with Braun Strowman. Where in the world do they go from now? Which I think um, they do have the Royal Rumble. They do have that pay-per-view in February and, of course, um, WrestleMania. So from now to WrestleMania, where do we see Triple H go? With Kurt Angle, with Shane McMahon, or with Braun Strowman? Well, I will say this match, if it, even if it was slightly underwhelming, was successful in setting forth a few matches for the next couple of months. Uh, like you said, Triple H and Kurt and Triple H and Braun, if they, if they do indeed go that direction, which... I mean, Survivor Series was one thing, but it was really evident the next night on Raw when they went face-to-face and Triple H backed down and people were chanting, you are a coward, Adam. That, that's the direction they're going. Now, I don't know if that's the Mania match or if that's the Rumble match. There is no Raw pay-per-view between now and the Rumble. And Braun's currently busy with Kane, so I don't know if they blow. I would hope they blow that oh, off wow. next month or so. I do not really care to see that match mm. uh, or to see that feud stretch out over the next two months. Um, Braun and H, again, it's a match that doesn't really do much for me. If they do it at Mania, it's a cool, prominent position for Braun Strowman. You know, the same guy that was not even on the main card last year was instead in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and was tossed out halfway through. So it would be cool to see him showcased in a higher match in the card. But Triple H losing for the third straight year, I don't know if it's too likely. Again, I'm not exactly sure where they're going with that. Kurt and H might be even worse. Like, I know they had history and... They've had good matches in the past, but as seen at Survivor Series, neither guy can, like, really go. And that's not breaking news by any means. I mean, that's been pretty evident for a while now. It was evident at TLC with Kurt, and that's been the case with Triple H for a while. Like, they can go with the right opponent, putting them in the ring with each other. I don't know if that's the best idea. That's been the plan, seemingly, since the summer since Kurt was brought in as the Raw GM. All, all roads pointed to Triple H versus Angle at some point. I would assume that's being saved for Mania, but it might just happen to the Rumble. Uh, and where Jason Jordan fits in all of this, I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. I doubt we get Jordan and H. Maybe it's a quick Raw match. Um, that would be cool, but mm. uh, fingers crossed it leads to a Jason Jordan. Maybe we get Angle and Triple H at the Rumble, and that's where Jordan officially goes heel because he's been coming off like a whiny bitch in recent weeks. So maybe that's kind of the direction they're going, and if so... I'd be very happy to see that, but I am slightly intrigued to see where they go with Triple H, but the fact that Raw revolves around fucking Triple H in 2017 is not the <laughs> best indictment on the uh, current talent by any stretch. Well, I'll tell you this much, you know, seeing Kurt Angle and Triple H kick off Raw, um, and, and also Stephanie, it, 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 it gave you a 2002 vibe. Oh, certainly. Certainly. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but Probably it absolutely did. Probably a bad thing. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we mentioned Brock and AJ. I thought it was a great match. Like you said, probably the best match on the card aside from The Shield and, and New Day. Uh, somebody wrote me, I, I forgot their Twitter handle, but the name next to it was uh, a Jonah Trill. So Jonah, if you happen to hear this, uh, I am giving you a shout out. He did say this was Brock's best match in years. I did put on Twitter that this was Brock's best match since the, the 2015 Royal Rumble against Seth Rollins and John Cena, um, I guess we we just don't see Brock enough to really dictate which has been his best his best match uh, in his career or in years or since he came back in 2012. But to me, uh, a pretty good match with AJ, but the best one 
since the Rumble fits in. Do you agree, or is there a different match you kind of put up there uh, as far as one of his best matches since coming back? I totally forgot about that match, and that's just my own memory not serving me correctly. I just, I, it's not that it was a bad match. It was a phenomenal match, and arguably the, the WWE match for 2015 um, not including NXT, so yeah. yeah, that would definitely be up there. I'm not sure if it's number one, but it's certainly up there. I mean, I wouldn't argue with you if you said it was number one in terms of his best matches since coming back. Uh, of course, you got to put the Cena match on there from 2012 at Extreme Rules, despite the fact that he lost for no apparent reason, but the match itself was great. And like I said last week, the Punk match, I think, has got to be up there as one of his best matches since coming back at SummerSlam 2013. The mm. dynamic there, the chemistry they had, the, the build-up itself was phenomenal. does not get talked about enough. Um, with Paul Heyman's involvement, the finish was great. Punk looked great in defeat. That's what that match on Sunday reminded me of with Brock and AJ. It reminded me of Lesnar and Punk um, because it, it was one really small guy facing the big Goliath. It was a David versus Goliath story there, and that's why it works so wonderfully. We see Braun work, or rather Brock work, with all these beasts like Goldberg and Samoa Joe and Braun, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, but Brock versus the smaller guys is money. I mean, having AJ win was kind of unrealistic, but the place went nuts when AJ locked in the calf crusher on Brock. It was They were going crazy. Like, if you honestly thought Brock was going to tap out there, you're crazy. But people bought into it, yeah. spend it or disbelief, and it was a great match. Um, so, again, I don't know if it's the best match that he's had since coming back, but... It's got to be up there with the Rumble triple threat with Cena and Rollins, the Punk match from 2013, and the Cena match from 2012. And some people even wrote me before Seth Rollins cashed in the match with, with Reigns at WrestleMania 31 could be up there. Yeah, that match too. The Roman Reigns match was also really, really good. I'm not looking forward to seeing the rematch of WrestleMania <laughs> during the circumstances. But yeah, the Mania 31 match going in because we didn't know if Brock, or we already knew by that point Brock had resigned. So it wasn't as obvious that Roman was going to win. Um, so, yeah, that was a great match. And I would put even up there as an honorable mention the Hell in the Cell match he had with The Undertaker at SummerSlam, or the rematch from SummerSlam at Hell in the Cell 2015 was also a very good match. So it was probably his last really good, strong in-ring year. But, um, yeah, no, those are all great matches. Speaking of Roman Reigns, uh, first of all, we're chatting with Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Uh, Roman Reigns is the brand new Intercontinental Champion, defeated the Miz on, on Raw on Monday. Uh, he becomes a Grand Slam winner, for those who don't know. Um, how shocked, surprised that Roman is the Intercontinental Champion and, and it, him being a champion the day after Survivor Series? I wasn't incredibly surprised because they have had they have done Miz and uh, Reigns before for the Intercontinental Championship, and I think Miz won after like nefarious means, or it ended in a DQ or something like that. So I figured if they're going to do the match again, they're going to change the title. Uh, we later found out it was reported and confirmed today that the only reason they did that, or maybe not the only reason, but one of the many reasons they did that was because Miz will be taking time off the foreseeable future to film the Marines 6. So how long he's gone for, I'm not sure. Six. Raw will certainly be worse off, because Miz has been one of, if not the MVP of that show, for a long-ass time now. So the you know his lack of presence will certainly be felt. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Roman is IC champion. We'll see. Um, the U.S. 
championship run that he had last year was not stellar at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he really didn't do much of that championship at all. It was pretty much a prop. Right. Um, so I would hope the IC title run goes a bit better, but I would imagine this is leading to all members of the Shield holding gold before long. Because, uh, of course, lest we forget, Ambrose and Rollins have their rightful rematch of the Raw Tag Team titles. Maybe they change the titles back on an upcoming episode of Raw. Um, so maybe they're all champions heading into the Rumble. Um, I don't think he's going to hold it till Mania. I saw someone pitch to me maybe the idea of a Brock and Reigns champion versus champion match, but Ooh. that's that's a complete waste of the IC title because I think it should be defended elsewhere in the card and Reigns. I don't know. It's going to be a complete afterthought. It's not Hogan Warrior from WrestleMania Six. I'll tell you that much. Oh, definitely not. No, I don't know. I, I'm good. I'm in favor of it for now. It was a cool moment. Um, it's his first Intercontinental Championship reign, like you said, a now Grand Slam champion. They've changed the rules. Because back in the day, the Grand Slam champion role was you had to hold the, the hardcore title and the European title. But because those titles are no longer active, they changed it to one world title, the U.S., the IC, and a tag title. And Reigns has checked off all of those uh, boxes. I will say the only thing, this wasn't too surprising because it was reported many months ago that they were teasing or they were um, contemplating the feud, or contemplating the idea of Reigns feuding with Miz only for Reigns to beat Miz for the IC title and then have him say, oh, the only championship I haven't won is the Universal title, which leads into WrestleMania. And the timing works out perfectly. So I imagine that's the direction they're going and going forward. Okay, a few things. Um, with this current Grand Slam format you just mentioned, um, to give credit where credit is due, um, Rob Lopez from Death Pen Sports, uh, I do follow him on Twitter. He's at Rob Ato, R. Zero B-A-T-O. Um, on Monday, he wrote that Roman Reigns is officially the ninth member to secure the, the, the Grand Slam under the current title format. Along with him, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, Edge, Big Show, The Miz, Jericho, Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose. And the current Grand Slam format is either the WWE Championship or Universal title, Raw or SmackDown title. Uh, I think tag titles and either the U.S. title and Intercontinental Championship. Um, in total, 17 wrestlers have been Grand Slam winners. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Kane, Rob Van Dam, JBL, Booker T, Jeff Hardy, and Christian. So Roman Reigns is uh, in pretty good company right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think they still, the WWE doesn't go by that last one with the hardcore and the European title. That's mm. still my definition of the Grand Slam Championship, and I know the title hasn't been active. The European and hardcore titles haven't been active in 15 years, but right. I don't know. That was the original format of it. I understand their current um, requirements, though, because those titles haven't been around in so long. But, yeah, he's in a pretty elite company. So, again, whether you think Reigns as IC champion is a good or bad idea, it's still a cool accomplishment, and I'm sure uh, Seth Rollins, he's the only member of that group to not hold the Grand Slam championship so far. So I think it's only a matter of time before he wins the IC title as well. You know what's so funny? I was just going to say, hold up, Dean Ambrose is in it, and, and I just read his name, and I just realized Dean Ambrose is the Grand Slam winner? Yeah, yeah, he's held all the titles. Wow. Two-time IC champion, former WWE champion, and won the tag titles um, just a few months ago. And he was also a U.S. champion a number of years uh, ago as well. So, yeah, yeah he, he was the latest Grand Slam champion. Um, just, I think, starting at SummerSlam when he won the Raw Tag Titles with Rollins. Yeah. Well, for the record, Shawn Michaels is the first ever Grand Slam winner, so shout out to the GOAT. 
<laughs> Certainly. Now, there's a video, I'm not sure if you've seen it, that, that Roman Reigns, after winning the IC title, he kind of mentioned, or he did mention, the an Intercontinental Open Challenge. Uh, I guess you know every Monday he'll he'll do the open challenge for the Intercontinental Championship, a la John Cena with the U.S. title years ago. So you know how long does Reigns hold the title for? We don't know, but with this open challenge, you know somebody somebody might get him. And, and, and my thing is, who on Raw do you feel can use that Intercontinental Championship reign or push? In the event Reigns is, you know, does not hold the belt very long, the Balor Joe feud that's going on right now would be perfect over the Intercontinental Championship. I don't know what they're doing with Balor. I'm glad Joe won that match clean on Monday, but like, oof, Balor looked like at one point he was getting primed for a Universal Title shot, but that might not even be the case anymore. Coming off that clean loss on Monday, and he also lost clean to Kane a few months ago. Mm. I don't think they're going to be doing that anymore. Um, but he's a guy that would be the perfect fit as IC champion. If not Joe or Balor, this is going to sound crazy because I do not expect in a million years for this to happen, for him to beat Roman Reigns uh, for that belt. But Elias, I think Elias would be the perfect IC champion. The guy has been building momentum, mm-hmm. and he's not always in the most highest, the, the highest of uh, profile programs. But, you know, he's a guy that's been getting over on the main roster as a heel. So kudos to him. He's a lot better now on Raw than he ever was in NXT. So I think he's a guy that could really benefit from that title at some point down the road. So we say Elias, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe. That's all that really stands out from the Raw roster to really dethrone Reigns as Intercontinental Champion, right? Yeah, I mean, you could throw a guy like Apollo Crews in there, but hmm. I know he's like a lower mid-carder like Elias, but it's like Crews hasn't been relevant in ages. Like it's it's going to take a lot of rehabbing to get him to that level. I don't see him being beating Roman Reigns. So yeah, I would say Balor or Joe would make sense in beating Reigns. I don't see Elias beating Reigns, but it would be cool. Then he'd be a great champion. But beyond that, I mean, a guy like Cesaro would be cool, but he's busy with the tag yeah. team thing right now. There's not many other people on Raw I could see beating Roman Reigns for that belt. But uh, those are three key people to keep your eye on in the months ahead, though. You, you know what? You already know who I'm who I'm going to say, and. Oh, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Come no. On, Here we man. go again. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see it, but I've just I've given up. After the after he lost to Jason Jordan fucking clean last week, mm-hmm. that was what did it for me. The fact he wasn't even on Survivor Series is what the company thinks of him. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, man. Kane beat Finn Balor clean, too, so. <laughs> and Seth I Rollins. Mean, that's true. He beat Seth Anything Rollins, too. I mean, I, I, I think I don't it's... Know. Um, I just, I've just lost hope with the guy. Yeah, I listen, man. If Bray Wyatt can't even get in the in the Intercontinental Championship Open Challenge, it just kind of shows you how low he's on the totem pole of even being looked at. And again, Jason Jordan, yes. Finn Balor, yes. Samoa Joe, yes. Um, Elias, but Bray Wyatt is like, man, like if he can't even get in the icy Open Challenge, then what else do you have for him? That's the thing. As long as he doesn't rekindle his rivalry with Finn Balor and we get that awful, mm. dreaded Demon versus Sister Abigail match that was supposed to be happening at the TLC pay-per-view, as long as we do not get the conclusion of that feud, right. I am content. But, yeah, I don't know what you do with the guy. I was thinking the other day, and this is not going to happen. It would be cool, but at this point, I'm not sure how much it would mean. 
because they're not doing anything with either guy. But if they did a Bray Wyatt versus Matt Hardy feud that turned Matt Hardy into what his broken character used to be, that would be kind of cool. But at this point, very few people care about Bray Wyatt. Matt Hardy is just a glorified jobber at this point without Jeff. I'm not sure if that would be a great feud whatsoever at this point in time. But with Wyatt, I've said for ages, turning him face might be the best thing for him. But it's clear they need heels right now on Raw, especially with Miz being gone, so that won't happen anytime soon. But, hey, you know what? He tweeted out just last night, on Tuesday night, he said, please come home when the Bludgeon brothers, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, showed up on SmackDown. So, you know what? Reuniting that family that should have never broken up in the first place without Braun Strowman, of course, reuniting those three should have, you know, would be the absolute perfect thing for all three guys right now. Oh, man. Uh you know I me, mean? I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan. Hopefully he can get, you know, he can get back on track, whether it's Raw or put him on SmackDown, do something with him. But I think it'll be interesting to see how they play the the Roman Reigns being Intercontinental Champion, uh, you know, see how that, how that plays out. Um, but now the belt comes off the Miz, and to me, I am a big Miz fan. I don't think he needs the, the Intercontinental Championship. I think he should be world champion or universal champion at some point down the road but now he'll 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 do the movie he'll 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 come back but what's the future hold for the miz does he get into the tag title uh program does he go right back into the icy title program is there a future where he's going after the, the the whole universal championship maybe once the belt gets off brock lesnar and ultimately where do you Rank the Miz as far as greatest intercontinental champions. He's up there. I mean, that championship has got to be synonymous with the Miz more than anyone else, at least in the past five years. Um, he's a seven-time IC champion. As of right now, after dropping the belt on Monday, he is the third longest reigning of all time, or longest reigning champion of all time for the IC championship in terms of consecutive days. Um, and he wasn't too far off from, I think, surpassing... I think it was Pedro Morales and maybe Tito Santana. It was maybe two of those guys. I know Pedro's on there. I'm not sure if Tito Santana's number one or not, but, yeah, he's getting close. So he's going to win that championship back. You know he's going to break Jericho's record of nine reigns. Miz mm. is already at seven, so why wouldn't he break it at this point? Um, and he's got many years left in him. But, yeah, I think he's up there in terms of greatest IC champions of all time. And he's not defending the belt every week. But he makes that belt feel important more than Wade Barrett ever did or fucking Ryback or anyone else who's just held that championship as a prop in recent years. I mean, Kofi Kingston is like, what, a four or five-time IC champion? How many reigns it is do you remember? Like, Miz is, like, synonymous with that title at this point. When he comes back, I can see him going back after the bill. I'm kind of over Miz versus The Shield. We've been watching Miz and Ambrose go at it since, like, literally April at this point. So whenever he comes back, I'm kind of good with him not rekindling that rivalry. Um, but there's not many other baby faces for him to feed with on Raw. Maybe you do Braun and Miz, you go back to that, but Miz isn't champion anymore, so mm. what's, what's the reason behind it? I mean, I guess you could do Miz and Balor. That's something new. But again, why would you do that if there's nothing on the line? So I would put the belt right back on the Miz. I'm not sure how likely that is. But unlike last time when he won the championship, and we were talking about this back in January when he dropped the belt to Dean Ambrose, and... Both of us really thought there was a good chance because he dropped the belt at the time that he did 
that he could go on to win the Royal Rumble and headline WrestleMania for the WWE title. Yeah. Of course, they had a grander plan with Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton and the fucking worms in the middle of the ring of WrestleMania 33, so Classic. God forbid you put Miz in that spot. <laughs> but um, I think there's a better chance of him going over to SmackDown, maybe not right when he comes back, maybe after WrestleMania. And he's been in the MVP of Raw, like you said earlier, for the past six, seven, eight, nine months. But um, he really should be on SmackDown where he has a much better chance mm -hmm. of becoming WWE champion. And how many times have we said here on the show that what Jinder Mahal has been for the past seven months could have been Miz. That could have been Miz as WWE champion for six months. And SmackDown yeah. would have been way better off. So I'm hoping that's what happens coming out of WrestleMania 34 because he won't win that Universal title as long as he's on Raw. And you have guys like Roman and Brock and Dean and Seth and Balor and Joe and Braun and so many other stars ahead of him on the packing order. Well, since you mentioned gender, let, let's let's go there. Uh, now it's going to be him and AJ for the title at Clash of Champions in December. So, you know, everybody was happy that we did not get a gender Brock Lesnar match at Survivor Series. And, you know, thankfully so because we of what we saw between AJ and Brock, but now we're going to get AJ and gender for the title. Um, I mean, you know, can that match shock people where I guess AJ would win, but, you know, putting him and AJ, um, AJ and gender in the ring together, can that be somewhat of a good, I won't say great, but somewhat decent to a good match where, you know, fans can look at gender and be like, Hey, this guy can really have a good match. I have not been the most, you know, praiseworthy. I've not been the biggest fan of Jinder by yeah. any stretch since he became the main eventer or quote-unquote that he has been for the past number of months. But I will say he had a very good, if not great, match with AJ. When he dropped the belt to AJ, coincidentally enough, on SmackDown for me, so I thought that was a very good match, largely because of AJ. But Mahal held his own. But, again, Mahal's had matches with Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, this guy, that guy, and none of them were good at all. AJ is the best performer of any guy. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, in the WWE right now. Um, so he should be the guy that they run with as WWE champion. And he's over. Like, oh my god, what a concept. Put the belt in the most over guy in the show. And Jinder, it's like no one gives a shit. He gets heat oh, for what? Repetitive promos, boring matches, terrible character work. Like, I don't know why they what they really saw in him to begin with other than to... Uh, um, just to promote their Indian tour, which he won't even be champion for, and it's coming up. He's going there without the title, so what was even the point? Um, but we're not out of the woods yet with Jinder, because like you said, he is getting his rematch at the Clash of Champions show. There is a good chance Jinder could retain the title, or regain the belt, rather, on that show and go on to WrestleMania to face John Cena, as has been rumored, which would be absolutely atrocious, especially on the same show as Brock and Roman. Do not, I, do not sign me up for that at all. I'd rather see Wrestle Kingdom... With Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, that sounds abysmal uh, for WrestleMania. But, yeah, I guess we'll see. But um, with Jinder, I, I, I could see them having a good match. But it's going to be in Boston, and I very well could go. But I opted not to because I figured Jinder would be in the main event. And AJ is great, but anything mm -hmm. involving Jinder near the top of the card does not interest me in the slightest. So you're not a fan of the Maharaja, right, basically? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I am. I mean, the presentation of the character is great. Love the Singh brothers. The Singh brothers are fucking great. But beyond that, when that bell rings or he has a mic in his hand, it's all downhill from there. 
going back to Raw, uh, the return of Paige. Uh, I, you know, I guess people were thinking Paige was going to come back in Survivor Series for the SmackDown team, but you know, Natalia took that final spot. Then we get a, a, a fatal four way match. Another fatal four-way match on Raw. I mean, what else is new um, to determine the new contender for Alexa Bliss? I think it was um, Alicia Fox, Mickey, uh, Mickey James, Alicia Fox, Bailey, and Sasha Banks. All of a sudden, Paige's music hits, and she says, I'm back, and I'm not alone. And Graham, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know who the other two girls are. So people in the crowd... Uh, kind of knew and, p- and people at home knew who these girls were so kind of break it down to me one page returning uh two she's now a heel and three the addition of these two other girls coming up from from nxt so i love this a lot and it could have been done in very predictable fashion we talked about last week how with the smackdown member the final member of the smackdown women's squad it could be page they announced a day or two before it was going to be natalia at least they did it on social media before the show, and they didn't do it on the day of the show and disappointed people when Italia's music hit, not Paige's. Right. Um, this wasn't predictable at all, because right before Paige came back, before the four-way even happened, they had Alexa Bliss out there, then Mickey came out, and then Bailey, and then Sasha, and then Alicia. It's like, oh my God, one of those awful segments where it's just one person interrupting the next, and it goes on and on and on. Nothing is resolved whatsoever. And none of the material they're given to work with is memorable in the slightest. And I figured Paige would come out at that point. She didn't. But instead, she interrupted the match. Like, that never happens. The match didn't even see a proper conclusion. So I was like, oh, shit. Like, we come back from break, and Sasha's down on the ground with Mickey right next to her. I'm like, oh, shit. When Paige's music hits, and she got a promo, she got a big pop. So how smart was it to turn her heel after getting that huge reaction? Just people obviously wanted to cheer her because we haven't seen her in a year and a half. Um, that said, though, I think Paige works a lot better as a heel. Um, see her 2014 work for a, you know, as a prime example of that. So I'm looking forward to her being back as a heel. But not only that, she's back with two other women that people don't really know too well. It's not like an Asuka where we've heard about her for years and then actually like mm-hmm. Sonya Deville, the MMA fighter girl with the braids. She only recently re-debuted in NXT a few months ago. She was on Tough Enough in 2015. She lost. Um, the blonde chick, her name is Mandy Rose. She had a cup of coffee running NXT on TV. She only wrestled a handful of matches on TV last year and a year before, maybe. Um, she hasn't wrestled on TV a lot recently, but she has been a pet project of theirs for a long time now. As you can see why, she's hot as hell. Um, but she was also in the 2015 season of Tough Enough with the other girl. And Paige was a judge on said show. So all three women have the chemistry. They have history together. And I like this a lot. Um, I'm not so sure about the SmackDown stable that we saw the next night. It's literally a carbon copy of what we saw in Raw. Um, I mean, we're getting fresh blood in both women's divisions, which was beyond long overdue. I mean, how many times could we sit through Alexa Bliss and Mickey James or Alexa Bliss and fucking Bailey and Sasha Banks? Like, the same women at the top every single month. So we're getting something new. A heel stable with the women is not something we ordinarily see. And I think if done right, this could be a huge benefit for both the Raw and SmackDown women's rosters, but specifically Raw, because I think Paige brings a lot of experience to the careers of both Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. So now on SmackDown, the same thing happens where three new girls debut, and I was flipping the channels back and forth, so I, I did not 
see the segment, but once I heard about these three girls coming on board, again, I don't know who they are. So kind of explain to me, we just saw what Paige did on, on, on Raw on Monday and now on SmackDown on Tuesday, another trio of, of women come on uh, to SmackDown. So who are these three? So the SmackDown angle, like I said, was almost exactly the same thing that we saw on Raw, which is what I didn't like about it because mm-hmm. they don't have as good of a chemistry. And all three women, for those people that have been watching NXT, know their natural baby faces. The black-haired girl is Ruby Riot. She debuted on NXT only a few months ago. Actually, over WrestleMania weekend, she made her in-ring debut. So she has not been there for that long. Um, the black-haired girl is Liv Morgan. She was in NXT for a long-ass time, and for a reason, because she fucking sucks in the ring. She's like the second ver- She's like the second coming of Carmella. Just not as mm. good, and that's saying something. Carmella's not that good to begin with either. And then the other girl's name is Sarah Logan. She only wrestled a handful of matches on NXT TV. And she was in the Mae Young Classic, and she's a really good wrestler, but we know nothing about her. Um, I think Ruby Riot is very good. The other two women, the jury is out on them. But the only reason I didn't like that angle as much is because we just saw the same thing on Raw. And like you said, it's cool that we're getting new blood on both rosters with the women because it was, again, like I said, long overdue. But just the execution of it, I, I'm not exactly sure. we got to see where they go with it from here. And as long as we don't get more six-woman tag team matches, like you said earlier, we were joking about the multi-woman matches and how many fucking matches of those mm. we've had over the last six or seven months. Six-woman tag team matches. Women's money in the bank, which is cool, but it's like every single pay-per-view, multi-woman match. We saw one at Survivor Series. We saw one on SmackDown with the women. With four ways, five ways, six-woman tag, eight-woman tag. It's like, holy crap, you're not going to get everyone over. Right. At the same time, you have to do one-on-one feuds. And I do not want to see this shit lead to that, both on Raw and SmackDown. If it's the same three women against Charlotte, Becky, and Naomi every week, none of those women are going to get over. That's why the Divas Revolution, so to speak, when it first started in 2015, was a failure. Because Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha were grouped in these fucking factions. And all we ever saw was six-woman, eight-woman, nine-man, 20-woman tag team matches. Mm-hmm. None of them ever went anywhere, and then there was nothing on the line, so who could possibly care? So, again, I like all five women that got called up to the main roster this week. No one could have expected it, but um, we'll see where they go, and like I said, it's always good to have new blood on uh, both the women's uh, rosters on Raw and SmackDown. Now, let's break down this um, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan kind of uh, program where, you know, Sammy and Kevin Owens did appear at, at Survivor Series. They were not part of the match. Uh, they attacked Shane and, you know, obviously to sabotage uh, Team SmackDown from winning. And then that then they come out on SmackDown. They wanted Shane to apologize. I think Shane was about to fire them. And then Daniel Bryan said, hey, hold up. You, you have a, a Lumberjack tag match with the New Day. Uh, I believe KO and him won, right? Yeah, KO and Sammy be New Day. Yep. All right, so they won. Then we go backstage, and then like Kevin Owens is like you know, on his knees begging not to get fired. Danny Bryan said, I-, "I wasn't gonna fire you." But overall, what do, what do you think they're doing with KO, Sami Zayn? Shane and now the incorporation of Daniel Bryan. Like, how, how does this whole thing is supposed to work? I'm not sure, and that's what kind of intrigues me. I'm not sure that he knows that's the issue. Um, but as a viewer, I'm intrigued because I'm not sure where they're going with it. It looks like they might be turning Daniel Bryan heel, which would be interesting if they aligned him with 
Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, but it's like, who's going to boo Daniel Bryan? So that's issue right. number one. Um, but beyond that, I mean, we're getting Owens and Orton next week on the show. They weren't fired by Daniel Bryan. So I don't know if this leads to Owens and Zayn versus Shane and someone. Like, you know, Daniel Bryan, they're not going to let him get back in there in the WWE. So it's not like the end game is Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Otherwise, we would have seen it by now. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure where this is going, but I am intrigued to find out. And anything involving Daniel Bryan, Shane, KO, and Zane, you know is going to be good because um, all four of them are great So in their respective roles. So what we saw this week, it didn't really give us much of an indication as to what's next. But like I said, they do have my interest. Yeah, again, I think it'll be interesting. But you know, at the same time, you want them to use... KO and Sami Zayn properly. I like I like uh, heel Sami Zayn. I think he's obnoxious. He's just you know sprinting around and saying one check, two check, three checks, uh, triple checks. So uh, you know he he's trying to get over with the heel character. I like it, but it's like you know where do we go from here? And again, the main person involved is Shane McMahon, and it's like like you said, everything everything on Raw or the main angles on Raw. And SmackDown involve a McMahon, Shane on SmackDown, and then Stephanie and Hunter on on Raw. So again, we're, we're trying to we're trying to spread our wings and, and get away from the authority or just a just a McMahon being that involved in a storyline. And no matter what, they're still gonna be there. Yeah, that's the one thing I don't like about it. That at the end of the day, and this has been the case for years, probably dating back to like '99 for almost 18 years now. It's all about the McMahons, whether it's Vince, Shane, and I like Shane. Shane's definitely the most bearable out of all of them. Mm-hmm. But it's all about Vince, Stephanie, Shane, and Hunter. And all the fucking time. Like, the fact that they're the biggest stars, the, big, the biggest focal points on the respective shows is so bothersome. It's so annoying because it's been the same thing for years. All heel authority figures. Yeah. The only heel authority figure that ever really worked, and I love Eric Bischoff. Vicky did a great job with her role. But was Vince McMahon. And after Vince McMahon, no one else has been able to pull it off. So Stephanie kicking off Raw, Sheen kicking off SmackDown. It's like, oh, can we move away from this? And SmackDown did a great job for a long time there with not having Daniel Bryan and Sheen be the focal point of the show. And they were on the same side for over a year. But it wasn't until Stephanie came back, until Hunter came back, that they started to position Daniel Bryan against Shane and have them you know, show signs of tension and stuff like that, like... Can we please move away from this and put the spotlight back on guys like AJ Styles and KO and Zayn? They're benefiting from it, but it's like, oh, we need to move away from these fucking four core of McMahons always being in the spotlight because it doesn't do the the, the rest of the roster any favors. This is why shit like, I mean, we're going a bit broader with this, but with like attendance. People like Shane and Stephanie aren't at those shows. So like, what is this helping the roster any at all? Like having KO be Shane is great. But it's like with Stephanie, no one ever gets one over on Stephanie for the most part. So how is this benefiting anyone on Raw? Like, that's my biggest issue with all of this. And my thing is, you would think that any um, rivalry would end after a Hell in a Cell match. You know, Hell in a Cell used to be the culmination of a, of a long storied rivalry. KO and Shane McMahon had a, 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 a Hell in a Cell match, I think, two months ago. And you would think, oh, that'll be it. And it's still going on in in November, about to be December. But now with the you know in, inclusion of 
Sami Zayn into the fold. So that's why I think that storyline is going further because of Sami Zayn. Because if there was no Sami Zayn at Hell in a Cell, then the whole thing between KO and Shane would have been over by now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if if it was Shane who decisively defeated Owens, which shouldn't have happened. I mean, thankfully, Owens won as he should have. But it was because Sammy got involved, that breathed new life into the feud. So, again, the feud's been entertaining. But, yeah, it does kind of defeat the purpose of hell in a cell because it's supposed to prevent interference and end feuds. But that was exactly the opposite with this case. I mean, Sammy's ain't interfered, and uh, the feud's continuing. If anything, it marked the beginning of the feud, not the end. And I'm not sure how it's going to end. But, again, they have my interest in that respect. As long as they don't fuck it up somehow, um, I think this could be good for everyone involved. But, like I said, I'm not all that high in the fact that it's always about the authority in both shows. Anything that I missed from Raw SmackDown that I should have mentioned earlier? Uh, I think that hits pretty much all the big moments. Uh, Reigns, new champion, Paige is back, mm-hmm. and actually woman getting called up, and... Shane and uh, KO and, and Zane. That was the biggest uh, talking points out of all the shows. They, they were both decent shows, but uh, we have SmackDown coming up in a few weeks, their pay-per-view, the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. And then the Rumble right after that's a WrestleMania season is nearly upon us. And then, yeah, the whole thing with AJ and Jinder now, you know, doing their match at Clash of Champions, right? Yeah, that as well. Yeah, I think that was a one-point hint of that happening on... Um, on Tuesday's SmackDown, but then they moved it to the pay-per-view instead, thankfully. So hopefully that's the end of that feud. And SmackDown has definitely been a lot more bearable with AJ as champion compared to Jinder. Um, what did you think of NXT War Games? I thought it was great. The whole show was awesome. Um, the entire show was outstanding, which was uh, no, you know, no surprise. Like I said last week, we've had... 18 takeover specials since February of 2014, mm-hmm. if you include Arrival, and every single one has been good, great, or amazing. This was a pretty damn good show between the NXT Championship match, Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream, very good women's match, a solid opener, and a great main event with War Games. I wasn't sure what to expect. I don't even know if I've seen a full War Games match, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, um, but what we saw was great, and I know people were complaining about, oh, it doesn't have a cell, or they have the shark cages, or whatever. It doesn't have a cell top, I should say. Now, they kind of deviated from the original format, but in the end, it worked out perfectly. Like, never underestimate NXT, because they, 99% of the time, do things right. Um, All nine guys, you know, had their time to shine. It was a brutal match. They didn't bleed, you know, they didn't uh, bleed or anything. It seemed like they bleed the hard way. They bled the hard way, which was really cool. The added blood added a lot that match, um, especially with Alexander Wolf going through the table. So, again, end of the night on a high note on Saturday night. Great match. Great show all around. Well, I do recommend you, whenever you get a chance, to, to catch up on some War Games matches from back in the day. Um, I know a lot of fans were kind of like, you know, tick, again, picky, but yeah, you know, how come it doesn't have a roof? Uh, I guess they were trying to add their own modification to it. The shark cages um, by the entrance, and back in the day, there there were no shark cages for the for the war games. They just said uh, five, four, three, two, one, whatever, and that guy just ran down the aisle for the match. Uh, again, war games. They added the, their modification. I liked it. Um, was a very good match. I think. I think. I think I missed the other match. I saw a little bit of the um, Velveteen Dream match. 
what what a what a name um, <laughs> um yeah. and and the war games match itself but i i think like you said every takeover that they do um has been good to great so now i'm gonna ask you a lot a lot of fans on twitter have been saying hey man this this is like up there with uh you know uh brooklyn one brooklyn two a couple of the guys said um uh, the one from Dallas is up there. So like, right now, I know we're still young, but if you had to say, hey, like, the top three NXT TakeOver shows are what to you? Ooh, that is really tough. Um, the I one know. you mentioned I would put up there, Brooklyn 1, Brooklyn 2, even Brooklyn 3. Um, I know RJ and I were talking about it when Brooklyn 3 happened. That might have been better than 1 and 2 because that card overall was amazing. I mean, the main event was, was decent at best, but you had Adam Cole's debut, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, a great tag title match. The women's match was outstanding. The opener was fantastic. Alistair Black and the day with Tommy. So Brooklyn 3 would be up there. I was at Brooklyn 1. I know you were at Brooklyn 2 as well. Um, both of those shows were fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was hard to say which one is the better of those two. Because one, I thought two had a better card overall, but one just had a magic about it because it was the first time they had left full sale for a takeover. And with Bailey and Banks as the match of the year happening on that show, it's hard to go wrong with that one. Takeover Dallas, like you said, was an outstanding show with debuts of Austin Aries and Shinsuke Nakamura, mm-hmm. all this other stuff happening. Um, and also, I w- I'm going to throw this one in there, Takeover All Revolution, from December of 2014, the debut of Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. The same night, Sami Zayn beat Neville for the NXT Championship. That was also a great, great show. Wow. Out of all of those, it's hard to say what number one is. Uh, War Games comes close. I really have to sit down and think about it. My gut says Brooklyn 2. Um, just, I don't know, and I'm biased because I was there, but... Yeah. So any of the others I mentioned, I would not argue with you. If you went with any other takeover I didn't mention, I would also not argue with you because there's a lot of damn good takeovers out there that do not get enough credit for being as excellent as they were. I was at Brooklyn 2. Uh, I, I did meet up with you there. I was at Brooklyn 3 um, where Adam Cole came out through the whole you know stands and Adam Cole, baby, everybody cheering. Brooklyn 2... Um, I tell you this, Grant. I was so mad that I had tickets for SummerSlam 2015, but not NXT Brooklyn One. And mm-hmm. then I'm seeing it on the network, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think someone asked. I think I I personally bought. Hey, I'll buy SummerSlam. I'll stay home to watch NXT Brooklyn One. Cause I thought SummerSlam was gonna be better, but to my you know, unfortunate reasoning. Brooklyn one was so phenomenal that I was so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> Kevin Owens and Finn Balor. It was Bailey and, and Sasha Banks. And I'm like, damn, how the hell did I did not go to this? And then I go to SummerSlam the next night, and I'm like, this is this, this is whack. I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, I, then I made it my business next year. I'm going to if if I can't go to both. I'm going to NXT for sure. Then I, then I saw you at, at Brooklyn 2. Uh, Nakamura won the, the world title, I think. And then the whole hallway of Barclays Center. Mm-hmm. I, I kid you not. And I have the video. They're, they are singing the Nakamura theme song, just humming the whole thing while he is like, and they're singing, they're humming the whole song. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I put it on Twitter. 
the, the freaking WWE uh, Universe uh, Twitter re- retweeted that and Nakamura retweeted. I'm like, what? The, what's going on? And I, to me, <laughs> that shit blew up. I remember that. That was damn, unreal, dude. That shit blew up. Nakamura retweeted that. I, I don't know if, if that was even him or somebody did it for him. But for me, <laughs> as an experience, Brooklyn two, um, even Brooklyn three, seeing um, you know uh, Drew McIntyre win the world title from um, Bobby Roode. And I, I, you know what? I do got to mention Drew McIntyre lost the belt uh, on Saturday. Did that shock you and surprise you as well? That was definitely a shocker, but in a good way. Again, I've never been disappointed with a takeover. Anything that has ever happened on a takeover, I've never been disappointed by. Um, If McIntyre won, I would not have been mad because he's a good choice as a champion. But Andrade Almas, for anyone who's been watching NXT, the guy has been on fire recently. Zelina Vega is freaking hot as hell. Her and Almas are a perfect pairing. They work so well together. And they had to put the championship on him. The guy's a great wrestler to boot. He's always been a great wrestler. Um, but, like, when we went to Brooklyn, too, he faced Bobby Roode that night. He was supposed to be a babyface. People could not have given two shits. Yeah. But Andrade almost at that point. And he was coming out with the suspenders and the dumb fedora. He looked like a goof. But um, since <laughs> turning heel and joining up with Vega, he's been on fire. That's a money pairing right there. That was a great match. And I was super happy to see him win the championship. And that was another... Great booking decision from Saturday show. Yeah, and then also Brooklyn Two was the debut of Bobby Roode. So I, again, mm-hmm. for me, uh, Brooklyn One, Brooklyn Two, Brooklyn One, Brooklyn Two, um, and I think I think it's a toss up for three. You can go Brooklyn Three, War Games, Dallas. But thing is, I I know Dallas from Nakamura, Sami Zayn. What else do I remember? I think the revival had a had a tag match, but I I don't remember the majority of the card. But if I if I had to pick two, I'll go Brooklyn one and Brooklyn two. Um, two more things real quick. I saw earlier Money to Bank 2018 um, will be a significant pay per view next year because one it is going to be in Chicago, so, you know, for those CM Punk fans out there, in Chicago, and also, it'll be now a joint pay-per-view, so now they are making Money in the Bank the fifth kind of major pay-per-view, along with with, uh, with Mania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and the Royal Rumble now with both brands being involved. Um, I, think that, I think that's a good idea because having the money to, you know, real quick, rewind, Money in the Bank... All those money to bang, hell in a cell. We spoke about it. Should should be a match, not a pay per view. But apparently, they they think differently. Uh, but money to bank now, Raw SmackDown. They had it on SmackDown last year, which is okay, decent. But now, with the inclusion of both Raw and SmackDown, how how beneficial would that be for both for both brands? And are you happy that both brands are being involved in money to bank? Yeah, this is a great move. I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier this year with the 2017 installment, which was a good show, but it's like it's unfair to Raw. Like, I get when Raw or SmackDown get the hell in the cell pay-per-view and the other one doesn't, but it's like those pay-per-views don't offer, um, you know, benefits like the Money in the Bank briefcase does. They're just match types. This isn't just the match type. This will give people briefcases for good for their respective championships. So that, that's a big deal. Um, which is why when I thought they brought back the brand split, they would put the match back to WrestleMania. But, um, you know, like, we, we've talked about it before. You mentioned it there, that they should get rid of themed pay-per-views like Hell in a Cell and TLC. It waters down the match types. But Money in the Bank is different because 
Money in the Bank, you can do it at the same time every year. Hell in a Cell and TLC should only, and War Games. People say, no, War Games should be held at the same time every year. No, I do not agree with that. Hell in a Cell and TLC and those type of matches should only be brought back at times when it's appropriate for feuds to be blown off in. Right. Not to say, oh, it's October, time to do Hell in a Cell. Like, no, I'm not a fan of that. Um, but, but, however, with the Money in the Bank match, it was already being held at the same time anyway, at the same time of the year anyway, at WrestleMania. So you might as well just give it its own pay-per-view. And the pay-per-view is usually good to great to amazing. So it really has felt like one of the big four pay-per-views, even more so than Survivor Series, for years now. This is a long overdue to make it one of the big five pay-per-views now, so to speak. Okay, it hasn't been around since 1987. Like, who cares? Like, it's, it's a big deal. People look forward to it, and I think having both brands be a part of it is awesome. Now, I would do one for the women and then one for the men. None of this three-match shit where you do one raw briefcase and one smackdown briefcase, which they did years ago for two different titles now. You have one match. with It's a, it's a co-branded show anyway, so you could do it. So you have one briefcase for the men with, like, three or four guys from Raw, three or four guys from SmackDown, and you do the same thing with the women, and that's it. And I think that could be for, make for a great pay-per-view. So I'm looking forward to that. That's in the month, I think, of uh, June. Uh, so that's in June, and it works out perfectly, too. And they could also put a takeover uh, right before Money in the Bank, just like they do with the other big four pay-per-views, in which they've done before anyway. So I think it works out perfectly. It's kind of a buffer between SummerSlam and WrestleMania. Um, it's like you have a big four, big five pay-per-view every two or three months. I think it's a great move, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going through something right now. I'm trying to find cause the you know they they did put out the schedule obviously. So, I if you, if you go ahead and see it, it there's a big gap between um, having a raw a, a a raw pay-per-view from now until I think Elimination Chamber in February. That and that's it. There's there's no according to this. There's no raw pay-per-view in in December. Uh, I could be wrong. Cause all I have is from the Royal Rumble down. Um, so next month is Clash of Champions for SmackDown. So I, I, I'm assuming there's no Raw pay per view next month. Then we had the Rumble. Then we there's no Raw pay per view until late February Elimination Chamber. And there was there was one other thing that 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 I want to point out. SmackDown. SmackDown. SmackDown goes from May. 27th and from uh with, with payback and they don't have another pay-per-view until SummerSlam. so it's like man like how am i how am i gonna develop these storylines for three months and there's no in-between pay-per-view to to kind of knock that off so i think the the whole schedule is very interesting i am a fan of the money the bank being both uh raw and smackdown but i guess the gap between a a, a raw pay-per-view or smackdown pay-per-view in between a Rumble and Mania and SummerSlam is kind of large. Well, I like it a lot. I mean, I'm glad we're not getting two pay-per-views a month for every month because it's just unnecessary. Like this time last year, we had TLC in the month of December. We had TLC and Roadblock. TLC was great for SmackDown. Roadblock could not name three matches on the card. That's how forgettable that show was. Thankfully, they got rid of Roadblock. If you notice, (laughs) I don't know how true the schedule is. I'm not even sure if the cities are set in stone. Usually they have a good idea of when the dates are going to be. Not so much the cities. The cities are irrelevant anyway for the most part. I have those too. Big five pay-per-views. Um, but 
what was I going to say? With Roadblock. Oh, yeah, they got rid of No Mercy, apparently, which kind of sort of sucks. Really? They also got rid of, from what it looks like on that schedule, Great Balls of Fire. So anyone waiting for a second installment of Great Balls of Fire, I am sorry to break it to you. We're not getting it back in 2018. But I do like the breaks in between. Um, you did mention the May pay-per-view. I think we have two... We have two um, pay-per-views in the month of May. One for Raw, one for SmackDown, Payback, and Backlash. Correct. And then we have the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in June. And then they both have uh, July pay-per-views. I think one has, like, I think maybe Raw has Battleground. And that's it. July. And then, yeah, that's it. And then um, and then SmackDown doesn't have another show till SummerSlam. And it's kind of the same thing in the fall. So I like that they're cutting back on pay-per-views. If it was up to me, I know in some months we have two pay-per-views. If it was up to me, I would have one pay-per-view a month. One Raw, one SmackDown the next month, and that's it. That's the way it used to work, you know, years ago. Um, but the way that they're cutting back, I think, is a good thing. Um, we we talk about all the time that, you know, there's way too much content. There's They're oversaturating their own market, uh, their own product. So I'm glad they're cutting back a little bit, and hopefully this kind of solves the problem of... Uh, overexposed pay-per-views wow i didn't even notice no mercy not even being here um rumble chamber fast lane uh comes back wrestlemania backlash payback money in the bank battleground SummerSlam, extreme rules hell in a cell tlc survivor series and clash of champions so again no great balls of fire thank you um no mercy you know i i I did like but you know it is what it is um i do want to ask you one more uh i did put out a a twitter question earlier in the day and try to get the fans uh, involved and engaged but um the question is and I, i will i will say their responses before i get yours the question was how would you rank all three of Triple H's theme songs? Again, I know he came in with Hunter Hearst, Helmsley, and all, and all that other crappy music, but I don't count that. I count uh, My Time, The Game, and The King of Kings. So to give a shout-out to all those who responded, Mr. Uh, at Never R. Williams, the way, the way I, I wrote it, I said, hey, rank these in order. My Time, The Game, and King of Kings. So this guy, Never R. Williams, said in that order, correct order the way i had it uh the fresh m4n the exact order you had them in currently um edmondo said the game my time king of kings uh reverse it reverse ak adil i probably messed that up big time the game king of kings and my time um adam said uh okay you know, he, oh, he, he said he, uh, Hunter had more uh, with the Hunter Hearst Helmsley character. Um, live for greatness. This order exactly of my time, the game, King of Kings. Annabelle Paul said in that correct order, my time, the game, King of Kings. Uh, J.G. Wallace, the game, my time, King of Kings. I see a pattern of King of Kings being number three. Uh, Rashawn Hoops, my time, the game, King of Kings. Mike underscore fresh 803, my time, the game, king of kings. Um, Kenny Kenny Brophy, the game, king of kings, my time. Or my time came in third right there. Um, who else I have? Stacks bred up in that order of my time, the game, king of kings. And I think that's trying to find one more. I think I have one more. They No, that wasn't it. Oh, yeah, uh, Vaughn Johnson at Vaughn M. Johnson, the game, my time, King of Kings. Daniel Soden, 
the game King of Kings Degeneration X theme music and then my time. Uh, Cornell Gunter, my time, the game King of Kings. King Louis, the same order. Kev Cashy, the game King of Kings, my time. Uh, Chris M. Novak, my time, the game King of Kings. Y'all at, at y'all bugging, uh, my time, the game King of Kings. John Ledesma, my time, the game King of Kings. Classy Coben, the game King of Kings, my time. And Juan Lavar, King of King of Kings came in first. King of Kings, the game, my time. Hoop KJ Hoop, my time, King of Kings, the game. And Thrax underscore Montana, the game, King of Kings, and my time. So, Graham, after all of that, um, where do you rank Triple H's theme songs between the, my time, the game, and the King of Kings? I got to agree with the majority that King of Kings would be three. I don't know. That was never a favorite theme of mine. Of the other two of my time in the game, I probably put my time number one. That was a mm. theme. The game is also pretty iconic, too. That one's grown on me, but I got to go with my time. Um, honorable mention, obviously, like you said, the DX theme. Well, it was good. It's iconic, but it's not among my favorites. And the evolution theme was great, too. Right. Uh, Line in the Sand was fucking amazing. So I would have to put my time, though, as number one. That would be my undisputed favorite Triple H theme. See, for me, I, I eliminated Evolution and DX because I feel that was more of a, a group kind of theme. Yeah, it wasn't just Triple H on his own. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, Grant, I'm surprised a lot of people said my... I mean, my, they're all great. Um... But my time... At the same won. time, I will say this. You know, yeah. the game he's had for a lot longer, obviously. He had my time for maybe two years. But at the same time, in my opinion, that was the best Triple H. Now, Triple H has had a lot of great moments over the past 10, 15 years. The best Triple H in his prime before he got hurt in 01, mm-hmm. my time Triple H. From 2000, he was the fucking man in 2000. <laughs> and he had that theme. So I think people, a lot of people associate their favorite Triple H memories with that theme from that time period in the Attitude Era. I mean, yeah, because that's when he really, you know, got out the shadow of Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Shawn wasn't around. He was world champion now. He had the whole thing with Stephanie McMahon and Vince and, and the mom and that storyline with the and the rivalry with The Rock. Um, you know, Mankind, Mick Foley, Cactus, all three of them, Do Love, whoever, whoever it was, being tag team champs with um, Steve Austin. So I guess that was really prime hunter and once the game came along um from the injury i mean that 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 song is tough too i i think you you got to flip for it but i guess people say that because of the of the version of triple h is what they probably like i like someone someone could say i like 2000 triple h better than 2002 03 triple h so um you 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 definitely can't go either or. I think King of Kings is last because of, I guess, the longevity is not there like the game in my time. And plus, he did not use it as often. I mean, I know he, he does it now uh, with his uh, whole authority role. But, you know, you know, when it's game time, no pun intended, it's either my time or the game. But you can't go, with, you can't go wrong either way. But for me, I... I don't know. Either do you want to hear it's time to play the game or you hear oneself, whatever the words are, oneself, this, you know, it's on. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, man. I want both. I can't pick one. I, I go with both. <laughs> I go That's with a good both. answer. 
you know what? That's a real cop out answer. But I, if I want to give one answer, I'm gonna go to game, man. I, I just. You know, now you hear that at every WrestleMania, every stadium, 80,000 people with the entrance now. It's the game. It's like, and he has, aside from Taker, the best entrance at a WrestleMania. So once that theme music comes on, on the speakers in front of 80,000 people, you know, and that too, like that theme music has been played in now WrestleMania shifted to the... um the stadiums, you hear it like you hear it like wow, everybody's cheering or booing you. That's what makes a great theme song. They're both great, but I think my time was only two years. So the game has been there since what, fifteen years. Him using that one theme song. So for me, for longevity, I go with the game. Yeah, I gotta agree. I was never early on. I'm a wrestling fan. I'm huge in the Triple H theme, but I think I mean I've liked the theme for a few years now. Or like it really grew on me years ago, but. Mm. The turning point, I might have been at WrestleMania earlier this year when I was there, and the entrance, and the guy comes across such an asshole on his entrance with Stephanie in his corner. It's so great. There are a few better heels out there than Triple H. The guy is so great when he wants today. And that entrance with the music just blasting throughout the stadium at Camping World Stadium in Orlando earlier this year, with the green lights and everything, it was it gave me chills, and it gives me chills thinking about it now. It gives me goosebumps. So it's, it's hard to go wrong with a game. All time, I'll still say my time. Um, that theme is just, I don't know, there's something about it. Like you said, that intro, it's just, oof, it's yeah. great. But uh, you can't go wrong with a game either. And I, th- I think I could be wrong. This is off the top of my head. This is a, a, a topic for a different show. But to me, his, Triple H's greatest entrance, I think WrestleMania 30 might be up there. With the, the, Oof, the definitely exactly, that, I got to agree with that. That was an amazing entrance with that thing on his head. And, and, you know, hey people, if, if you didn't notice, I think Sasha Banks and Charlotte was one of those girls on the sides too. So you know, there you go. Yeah, Alexa Bliss as well. Alexa too. Wow, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, it was Alexa, Charlotte, and Sasha, I believe. So that's it's a pretty great group of women considering where they are now. Four years, uh, three years later. We talk about Triple H a lot on here. I I, I just noticed that. <laughs> we do. There's a lot of Triple H talk here in the show, which is great. Last week with um, the uh, the, the his, I guess his greatest WrestleMania matches, and now with theme songs. But <laughs> yeah. um, uh, what his favorite hairstyle next week, though? Uh, oh God, um, him. Uh, you know what, Triple H with like the the, the regular tights he he wore he wears, or like that 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 thing he tried to cover the 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 quads. Remember that he wore like those shorts one time for like oh, two yeah, years. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Goldberg, mm-hmm. that that was terrible. That was ter- <laughs> that was awful. Easily the worst Triple H attire he's ever had, no like, doubt. Exactly. You know what? Would you rather have Triple H like that with the with the with the quad kind of tights, or like the Shawn Michaels from Survivor Series with like the brown tights with like one heart? That, that. Oh, it was atrocious with the with the terrible looking haircut too. Oh, yeah. I might have Triple H on that one. Hey, yeah, you know what's so funny? That 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 chamber match was uh that made 15 years. I think last yeah. week wow. on Friday. Yeah, I watched it. That show was great. That was an MSG. Holy shit! Yeah. That show does not get enough credit. That is one of the all time best WWE shows in my opinion. Whole card was crazy. First ever chamber match. Yep. Awesome theme song. You can't go wrong with that pay-per-view. I marked 15 years on Friday. Holy shit. Exactly. Paul Heyman turning on Brock Lesnar. It was yes. great. It was yeah, great. the crowd was unreal. Scott Steiner coming back saying, 
give me a fucking mic in the middle of the show. It's like, how can you go wrong with that show? That was when Survivors, it was like, oh my God. Then there wasn't a single elimination tag match in the entire show. That's how great of a pay-per-view that was. Hey, if Survivor Series can ever get back to that point, hey, now we're talking. Yeah, sign me up, right? Sign me up. Um, Graham, always a pleasure. Um, ha- happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. You can reach out to Graham on Twitter at Russell Rant. He is the host of Russell Rant Radio and does great articles and great work for Bleacher Report. Graham, thank you, my man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, dude. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy Thanksgiving on Thursday. I'll catch your ass down the road. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, you too. Adios. All right.